In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you promised to send the Holy Spirit when you ascended into heaven upon your faithful ones. We ask you now to give us a share in your spirit, to send the Holy Spirit upon us at this time, to speak within us, to open our ears, our eyes, our hearts, to the love and the truth, the wisdom and the inspiration that your spirit brings. Cleanse us from all impurities. Heal all of our wounds. Bring us to love you more and more and lead us safely to our true home. We ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Mary, seed of wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Hope you had a good night's rest. It's a probably, although it's hard sometimes to sleep in a different place, I think this is peaceful enough here <laughs> that it's easier to sleep than in most places. So I hope you had a, a restful night. Um, looking at the schedule this morning, I saw 9.45 morning medication. So I was, I was preparing to bring vitamins and all kinds of things, and then I realized I need to prepare my conference instead. So I'm, I'm a little bit underprepared. And, oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, so last night we were opening the conversation for this retreat by looking at our Lord's dialogue with St. Peter, a fallen man who professed his love for Jesus such as it was, and the Lord was willing to take it such as it was. The question that I put out there last night was, do you love the Lord as the Lord wants you to love him? And if not, if we're not there yet, then why? What's taking first place in my life? And can we see God loving us even when, like St. Peter, we have failed, even when we have things to be embarrassed about? That's very important because we can get discouraged mightily by the sins, the failures committed 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It clings to us. And the potential is that when we do something wrong, do something bad, it can destroy the future for us. That is a temptation of the devil. If we really believe in the mercy of God, then there is nothing we can do that God cannot, in a sense, undo. There's nothing, no evil, no bad thing we can do that God cannot turn over into something positive. I can't explain how he does it. All I know is that it's his mercy that does it. And so we have to have confidence in the Lord and to see our lives as immersed in that mercy, immersed in that love that picks up fallen people when they have fallen very low and brings them to a place of new confidence and new hope 
Now, this morning, I'd like to begin looking more at the topic of home. In you, all find their home is the theme of this retreat and the theme of the retreat season. And I'd like to look at it from the perspective of our whole life story. Because home is where we have come from, it's where we are, and where we're going. How many times have you said or have you heard somebody said, say, that's the story of my life? And usually they mean it in a, a negative, sarcastic way. That's the story of my life, you know. Why me? Well, I think looking at the story of our life is kind of important to know what God has been doing there, where he's leading us, and where we've come from. I'm always amused that if you, if you go uh, on, on retreat or to a penance service, you'll probably hear the announcement made, when you go to confession, just confess your sins. Don't tell Father your whole life story, <laughs> you know. And the point isn't that your life story isn't worth telling, <laughs> but it's that there are other people behind you who also want their sins forgiven, so, you know, hurry it up a little bit. It's that kind of thing. But I wonder, why is it even an issue? Why is it so easy to slip into autobiography mode? Why is it that we want to tell our story? What is it about my life that needs to be retold to another person, not just to me, but I want to tell it to somebody else. I want them to sit down and listen to my story. I think it's interesting. I think the hand of God is in that. Our life story is really our itinerary from home to where we are right now. All of the stops that you've made along the way, the challenges you've had, the tragedies that you've suffered, your accomplishments, and your failures. When we are children, when we're young, we often wonder, how come old people tell so many stories? And how come they tell the same ones over and over again? And the answer isn't the same for both questions, but the older, the older you get, the more you realize they tell stories because they've got stories to tell, and they want to tell them. Isn't it interesting? Something that left its mark on you, something unusual that happened to you, something that traumatized you, and you want to tell it. Whenever we see or read the biographies, autobiographies of the saints, they usually only tell their story under obedience, upon request. They don't usually enjoy speaking about themselves. We have in this church images of, of several saints who have done that very thing. St. Therese, the story of a soul, and St. Teresa of Avila, who wrote her own autobiography as well, but there are many others as well. 
But the one thing that you find woven throughout the autobiographies of the saints isn't simply where I've been and what I've done. They don't see their story really as all about themselves. That's a very beautiful thing. It's not like the popular autobiographies that you have written and published today. You know, all of the things I've done, the scandalous things that I've done, what I've accomplished in my life and how I'm a great guy or, you know, I'm this or that. You know, in the end, who cares? I'm, I, one of the, my, my duties at my monastery is I take charge of the library. And you notice after, after several years have passed, the autobiographies of, of famous people suddenly become totally irrelevant. I pulled off the shelf the autobiography of Edwin Meese. Do you remember Edwin Meese? Do you, are you interested in the autobiography? <laughs> or, or, you know, you know people who are, who are prominent in the media for a while, and they write their book, they sell millions of copies, look what I've done with my life, ten years pass, and it's over. These two, their biographies are still bestsellers. It's not about me. Then what is it about? What is our life about? From home until where we are right now. It is about the providence, the mercy, the love of God that is woven through my life like a golden thread. That's what the saints talk about. The first line of the autobiography of St. Augustine, who lived about 1,800 years ago, not, not as long as that, maybe 1,700 years ago, and he underwent a tremendous conversion. The first thing he says is, How great are your mercies, O Lord. Line number one, how great are your mercies. That's how I want to tell my story. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. The saints see God's mercy, God's providence, like a golden thread running through everything. And I think we need to look again at our lives in that way. You can look at your life in any number of ways. You can, you can be like that sarcastic, negative person who says, well, it's the story of my life. You know, it's always me. I'm always the one. I'm always the one. It's always, you know. Or you can look at it from a truer perspective, a deeper one, a divine one. And that is God's mercy. It's not about good luck and bad luck. It's not about what I've had to suffer and how I feel like I've been set back and everybody else has a good life and I don't have a good life. Do you think that's a temptation of the devil? I've heard so many people say that. It's false. (laughs) It's totally false. My life seems so bad, everybody else seems so good. No. Everybody has wounds. Everybody has tragedies. Everybody has difficulties. 
we have to look at our lives from the perspective that God wants us to look at it from. Pope John Paul II, who is a great patron saint of the elderly, he suffered from all of the debilities of Parkinson's and so many other things, but he once said to a group of elderly people about their life story, he said, perhaps some of you remember times of pain. Perhaps you remember hopes that never quite materialized. But all of us know and believe the love God has for us. Yes, God has loved and continues to love each one of you in a deep and personal way. If you think back, you will see that your whole life is a story of God's love coming upon you one stage after another. Life is a gift of the Father's love, as was your baptism, your Christian faith, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. For all of these gifts, we sing a hymn of gratitude to God. Blessed be the Lord, who has shown me the wonders of his love. That was a talk he gave in Australia, in Perth, in 1986. It's worth reading the whole text. But you see the perspective of the saint, and he is a saint. My life is explained through the mercy and the love of God. And he was a man who entered this world already set back. He barely knew his father. His mother had all kinds of health problems. He lost a brother. And all of a sudden, here's World War II. Where do I go? What do I do? I'm basically an orphan. And he uses what God gives him. And the man who basically never knew his own father became the father of kind of the whole world. So beautiful. You see what God can do. Or I think of another great saint, also of modern times, St. Josephine Bakita. Some of you may may know her story. She was an, an African saint who was sold into slavery and was horribly abused and traumatized, beaten, and her skin carved up and tattoos put on her body and horrible, horrible things. And at a certain point in her life, she was bought by an Italian couple, taken up out of Africa, brought to Italy, and she, hearing about the Catholic faith, decided, I want that. I want to know Jesus. I want to be a Catholic. And so she became a Catholic and became a saint. Long story short. But in her old age, when asked, what would you do, Josephine, if you met the people, the men, who had beaten you up, who had carved your skin, who had just treated you horribly, what would you do with them? And she said, I would kiss their hands. I would kiss their hands. 
because without that, I never would have come to know Jesus Christ. Without the tragedy, I never would have ended up here knowing the Lord. Can you believe it? It's true. That's what the grace of God can do. When we look at our lives through a divine perspective, we begin to see things emerging that we never suspected before. Traumas and wounds and difficulties which just seem to be totally negative in fact open up in the providence of God. I always tell a story when I give, give these retreats here, and I'm, if you've been on one of mine before, I'm sorry to repeat, but I'm not that sorry to repeat because it's a great and true story. I met a woman once who told me that her husband was a very bad alcoholic, and he didn't want help. Didn't, I mean, he knew he had a problem, but, you know, he didn't care. <laughs> didn't care. And, and she told me, you know, Father, it's at a point where I buy the alcohol for him now. And, you know, with your AA training, you know that's enabling. You don't do things like that. But, but she said, you know, Father, I know all of that, but I know that he will go out and buy it himself drunk, and I know he may get hit by a car or drunk drive or, 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 or do something. And so what do I do? So I said, okay, I, I get it. I get it. But she said something to me which really hit home and which amazed me. She said, you know, Father, for years, for years, I thought I was this man's salvation. Where would this guy be without me? Where would he be? In jail? Dead? Who knows? But then with a lot of prayer, going to confession often and going to Mass often, I began to see something else. He is my salvation. And I just about fell on the ground when I heard that. Wow, what do you mean? Well, because without that cross, I wouldn't be here talking to a priest right now. I wouldn't be going to confession. I wouldn't be praying. And I know that about myself. Sometimes it takes a heavy cross, a deep wound to bring us to the Lord. I know another young man who was so painfully alone, very lonely, and that drove him to start making holy hours before the Blessed Sacrament. And he found his home there. He found love. He found friendship. And this was a Catholic man, he was about 20 or so, who had grown up in the church. I know Jesus is there. I know he's there. And yet I didn't really know. <laughs> I never really connected with him until sorrow, tragedy, and a cross drove me there. Can you think of something in your life from home until right now that has brought you to God or that could bring you to God, but it's something that you would never have chosen for yourself? In fact, something you say, I don't want it. 
If I had to pick my cross out of a catalog, I'd choose another cross. I don't want that one. I want something else. And can we maybe look at that from a different perspective? Can we maybe look at it in some way as God's mercy? Mercy doesn't always feel good. Sometimes mercy is a burning feeling. It's like St. Peter talking to the Lord on the shore. Did that feel good? Did that conversation feel good for St. Peter? No, it burned. It humbled him. But what do you think he saw? My life is all about the mercy that Jesus is giving me. From that point on, I have no doubt that it is God and his mercy that tells my story. St. Catherine of Genoa, who was an Italian saint, lived in the late Middle Ages, heard the Lord say this to her in a vision. Love has been the beginning of your journey. Love has been the middle of your journey. Love must also be the end. You cannot live without it. It is your life in this world and in the next, for it is I myself. Love is everything, because God is love. And where does that love come from? Where does love and mercy come from in my life? From a beating heart. From a wounded heart. From a heart that has a crown of thorns and a flame and blood. It is the same heart that you see all around this property the most beautiful one probably just right behind you as you enter into the church. That is the love that has loved me. And if I can see my life written in that heart, if I can see myself in that heart, I can see everything from a very different perspective. I can see that the wounds have a purpose. The traumas have a reason, and my cross will be my glory. From home to where you are right now, what are you taking along with you? What have you been maybe dragging along with you from home that maybe this retreat is the opportunity to talk about it with the Lord? Something that you feel is holding you back like sandbags. Something that you think is an impediment in your life. Could it be something other than that? Could it be the occasion of God's grace and mercy? Like Josephine Bakita, like John Paul II, 
like St. Maximilian Kolbe, who ended his life in Auschwitz, in a starvation bunker, and he saw it all as somehow the mercy of God. Sometimes when people start praying, if they haven't prayed for a long time, they think, my life should be going good now. I, I mean, I should, <laughs> if I go to Vegas, every slot machine should just, you know, <laughs> the money should be coming, and my, my children are, should be coming back to the church now, and what's, what's going on, Lord? Huh? I've, I'm keeping up my end of the bargain kind of thing. That's not what, what God promises. But if we do take our prayer life seriously, we'll see a deeper reality. Not that he will take away the problems, but you'll see a meaning invested in them that you never saw before. And maybe the people in our lives who are most difficult for us are the ones who are God's instruments in keeping us close to him. Isn't that the case. Mothers, would you be praying as much if you didn't have children who were doing their own thing right now, away from the church, thinking they found heaven on earth somewhere else? If you have a difficult marriage, would you be praying as much as you are now if you didn't have it? God alone knows. God alone knows. But I have to see it all as coming from his merciful providence, or else I can't see it at all. Or else I'm lost. Or else I'll never find my way home. If love is the beginning of the journey, love is the middle of the journey, and love is the end of the journey, I really don't have a choice but to see my life as somehow the unfolding of God's love and mercy. It's a difficult meditation. It's a difficult conversation, but one that we need to have. And I guarantee you that as painful as it is, there will be peace on the other end of it, a new perspective. And we'll see behind everything the heart that has loved us so much the pierced heart, the flaming heart, the heart that sheds blood for us. What does our life story amount to? Thanks be to God for his mercy. When we leave this world, sooner or later, it will be that very simple thing that we'll have our eyes on. I just want mercy. I can't save myself. I want forgiveness. I want the love of God. Just like a child. All of the adult complications gone. I just want mercy. And if we can get that perspective now, we will find our way home.
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.